0: This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon.
1: Good morning, church family. Um, Shall we bow our heads together in prayer? Our Lord and our God, it's a privilege, Heavenly Father, to be found in your house again this morning, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this season of December, Lord, and what it means to us, Heavenly Father, for you. Sending your son to be born, heavenly Father, that eventually would take the sins of this world on him. So, Father, we just thank you so much for that, Lord. We thank you, um, Father, as uh, believers in you, heavenly Father, that we can share this good news with those around us, heavenly Father, and out into our community as well. Um, Lord, we pray for our sick and shot in this morning, heavenly Father, wherever they might be. Lord, um, we pray, Father, that you would meet them in their needs, heavenly Father, and. Uh, just be with them, Heavenly Father, and that we may look to you um, for whatever issue they may be done. through. Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for Pastor Paul, Heavenly Father, and we thank you, Lord, um, for the word that you've laid upon his heart to bring us this morning, Heavenly Father. I pray that you would uh, just open our hearts and our minds, Heavenly Father, that you might be receptive, Lord, to what you want to teach us this morning, Heavenly Father, and that we might go out into this world and act upon it as well. Just help us, Heavenly Father, to build our lives, our church, and our community on you, Heavenly Father. We might be found steadfast in your word, ever abiding in it, Lord, and just trusting in you. It's for your name we pray. Amen. Um, Dave Dickinson will come and read scripture.
2: Welcome to the second Sunday of Advent. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 1. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: All right, so we have been looking at the songs of Christmas uh, in the book of Luke, and we've looked at Mary's song. Now we're going to look at the next one sung by Zechariah, uh, the father of John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist, or or Zechariah, was a a priest, and by God's providence, he was chosen to burn incense in the temple of the Lord. He encounters an angel of the Lord as he's he's in the temple burning incense named uh, Gabriel, and Gabriel informs Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a son, And they're to name him John. The angel goes on to tell him that John will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in the womb. You remember last week when um, uh, John leapt in the womb when he heard Mary's voice, who was was carrying Jesus in her womb, come. Uh, And the angel tells him that John will come in the spirit and power of Elijah get the people ready for the coming of the Lord and this is how Zechariah responds in Luke 1 verse 18 Zechariah said to the angel how shall I know this for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years he's a smart man, he called himself old but not his wife (laughs) I just noticed that Now, the the, the key thing is not that. The key thing is, Zechariah doesn't believe this because because of their old age. And and there's another fact that Elizabeth was barren, his wife. They had no children up to this point. Because Zechariah doesn't believe the words from the messenger of the Lord, his words are taken away, he's made mute until the day that these things would be fulfilled. It's interesting that this is the same angel that came to visit Mary to tell her that she would conceive a son without the help of a man, and they were to call him Jesus. Mary's response is slightly different, and she receives no judgment like Zechariah, This is what Mary says in verse 34 of Luke chapter 1. How will this be, since I am a virgin? So Zechariah said, how shall I know this? And Mary says, how will this be? Zechariah clearly doubts. He, he, He can know this because the angel told him. That's a pretty good indicator. Mary, on the other hand, just wants to know. Like she believes but wonders, uh, how is this supposed to happen? For a lowly woman to outshine a prominent man of faith was unheard of in this time and culture. Just another reason that these events that we read about in the the Gospel of Luke and and the rest of the Bible are, are true. They're they're not fabricated. And you know, as as we kind of look at these two, it kind of reminds me that you don't have to be from a godly heritage or have years of wisdom in order to exercise faith. Faith is simply trusting in God's words. And Mary does that beautifully. Even though Zachariah doubts... His faith is proven because it bounces back. After the baby was born, the the custom of circumcision on the eighth day uh, which happened, which was when the child was to be named. The relatives and neighbors want to name him after his father. The, The community gets in on this. But Elizabeth protested strongly and says... No, he shall be called John. They tried to persuade her, because nobody in their family's named John, and you don't just pick a random name, like we do today. Zachariah is appealed to by the crowd, by the neighbors, the relatives, and he motions for a writing tablet, and he writes his name is John and at that moment Zachariah's mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he blesses God with the words to this song that we're going to look at this morning now I say all this so we can see that this song is born out of a struggle with doubt if we if we struggle through our doubt with the lord not alone it always turns into a shining more mature faith what are some of your doubts that you're dealing with right now does it have to do with your kids maybe they're not walking as they should or with the lord Maybe it's your marriage not being what you want it to be. Perhaps it's just general difficulties, trusting God and walking with his ways. You know what you should do, but you just have trouble doing it. Whatever it is, listen to God. Struggle through it, knowing you're not alone. And be expecting God to bring you out better than when you first entered that season of doubt. Let's look at some of the repeated elements in Zechariah's song. Our points together will form a sentence. They are, God is coming to save us by his mercy. God is coming to save us by his mercy. Let's begin. God is coming. Zechariah's song can be broken up into two main parts. The first part, he blesses God for the coming Messiah, Jesus. The second part, he praises God for his son, John, and his upcoming ministry. Zechariah gets it right here by putting Jesus first in the song, even before his own son, his own miracle son in their old age can't go wrong when you put Jesus first. Let's let's look at this first line of the song, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. That idea of the Lord visiting his people is reminiscent of the Exodus, which which was when God brought his people out of the slavery that they found themselves in Egypt. Let me read where we see that word in Exodus chapter 4, verse 31. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. The Exodus was was the prominent thing that that God would continue to to remind his people about over and over and over again. Exodus 20, verse 2 says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So, so this, this, is the, this is the beginning of the Ten Commandments right here. And before he gives them the commandments, he wants his people to remember that they've been delivered from the bondage of slavery. He wants that to be their motivation for following these commandments, right? Not not because God's expecting a certain level of obedience, but because God has done something for them, and he wants them to follow in his ways. And here's the motivation over here, the Exodus. Exodus. The reason God visited his people and delivered them was because he saw their bondage and he heard their cries. Matthew uses this word visited in his gospel account and we can truly get a sense of what this word means here. Matthew 25, verse 36. The Lord says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. The idea of visited here is to to look at intently, to to see the need. When you visit someone who is sick, you pay attention to how they look, and you're concerned with how they're feeling, right? There's there's a strong element of, of care and concern It's different from a a different kind of a visit. God came because he sees the need. He sees our need and visits us. The other place we see this word visit in Zechariah's song is the second half of, of verse 78. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. What is visiting? The sunrise. Now this this is poetic, so it stands for something. Listen to the prophecy from Isaiah in chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen. Upon you. Now listen to the Apostle John's testimony concerning Jesus in John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the sunrise, visiting us from on high, from heaven. He's eternal. He didn't first exist in the womb of Mary. He's always existed. There's never been a time when he wasn't. He is fully God and in the womb became fully man. He has visited us and shines the glory of God upon us. When Jesus was born, God Himself was visiting us. It's incredible. But what was his purpose in coming? That leads us to our next point. To save us. Again, let's look at verse 68. For he has visited and redeemed his people. That word redeemed is to, to buy back. To deliver. To deliver. In the Exodus, God not not only saw and visited his people, but powerfully redeemed them out of the slavery of Egypt. Look at verse 69. And he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. A horn is, is an image of power. God would powerfully save. Again, when we go back to the Exodus, we we think of the we think of all the all the uh, the plagues that God put on Egypt in order to deliver them out, uh, and deliver His people out. It was it was a display of divine power. Verse seventy one, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Power is needed to save because our enemy has more power than we do alone. Just like the people back in Egypt. They couldn't deliver themselves. What is this powerful enemy that Zechariah refers to? Is it the Romans who are currently ruling over them? If we move to the second part of the song that speaks of John the Baptist... We read this about his ministry, starting in verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Look what we need salvation from. Salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Our great and powerful enemy that we need rescuing from is our own sin. Sin is like the slavery that was experienced in Egypt by God's people because it holds us in bondage without hope of escape. But sin is much, much worse than physical slavery. It's because many don't know they're in bondage to it. They think sin is their friend, and they serve it gladly, hoping that it will somehow give them the peace and joy that they desire. But it only leaves them with a desire for more. It's it's the most subtle form of slavery because it's not seen as slavery. It's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) That's that's the condition where where the one who is is captured develops positive feelings towards the ones who are enslaving. They no longer see themselves as prisoners or slaves, but connected to their enemies, That's like sin. We don't tend to see it as as a big enemy, but instead as a friend. And that's because we're born into sin. We have an inherited sin nature. It's what's natural to us, but it's still an enemy. If, If someone was born into slavery and that was all they knew, they would think the same way, wouldn't they? unless they experienced what true freedom really is. Verse 79 in our song says this, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Darkness, like slavery, is another image of sin. Because Jesus is the light of humanity, he shines into the darkness and, and the darkness can't stop it. And that's what we sit in. We sit in that darkness. But Jesus can shine into it. Again, it's not like we were cast into darkness. We were born into darkness. There is something within us that wants to really see. But without Jesus, the light of the world, we continue in darkness. Darkness. There is a hunger in this world for enlightenment. We want to be in the know. So we create our own forms of light as substitutes for Jesus. Sure, these forms may have glimmers of truth, but that's often true of the best of lies. Living without Jesus would be like saying that artificial lighting is better than sunlight. We, we can control artificial light. We can stay up as late as we want with it and adjust the colors for our mood or liking, and even get vitamin D. But only the light of the sun naturally sets our circadian rhythm. Which regulates our body's wake and fall asleep cycle. And it also affects things like hunger, body temperature, energy level, and even mood. You know that, don't you? Just experience like a, a few dark, cloudy days in a row. You're like, ugh. There's no substitute for the sun, just like there is no substitute for Jesus. Only He can save us from the slavery and darkness of our own sin. Finally, we see the reason for the reality of His salvation by His mercy. By His mercy. Many think John the Baptist's ministry was a harsh one because He pointed out people's sins. But this ministry that was given to him by God was really one of mercy. Look at verses 77 and 78. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. When Jesus would come on the scene John would proclaim, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John called people to repent, to turn away from their sins. But only when we turn to Jesus can they truly be taken away. And it's all because of the tender mercy of our God. That term, tender mercy, shows the heart of God. It speaks of the inward parts which represent the, the seat of emotions. It would have been the bowels in that time. But here, we, today, we think of it as the heart. Father God has a heart of mercy, which is why he sent Jesus to save us from our sins. This has always been his heart, even in the Old Testament. Zechariah sings of the mercy promised to our fathers in verse 72. He says, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The covenant that God made with Abraham and passed down to Isaac and then Jacob and then Jacob's 12 sons was based on mercy. Mercy not merit. Even way before the patriarchs, God showed mercy at the fall of mankind into sin when sin first entered the world. And he delayed his judgment of, you shall surely die. They didn't die. They had, God had mercy. And instead promised a future child from mankind that would save them if they put their hope and trust in him. This is so wonderful because our salvation in Jesus is based only upon mercy. Because of that, that means we don't have to worry about our performance. The the worry of all religions, except gospel Christianity, is, is because it's based solely on merit and not mercy you have to perform to a certain level or attain a particular state of mind in order to reach whatever state of nirvana is promised. In the end of those religions, there's always doubt. Did I do enough? Did I try enough? My grandmother lived to 96 I went to visit her in her retirement complex a year or two before she passed. She had been contemplating death. You, you probably would do that if you're, you know, 95. And she looked me straight in the eyes and said, I've, I've looked back on my life. And I don't like what I see. Now, she wasn't some kind of, like, rebel. She, she was a sweet, really good, morally upstanding person. But when you're hoping in your merit for heaven, you will never have peace, because you won't make it with your merit. You'll only make it with mercy. Mercy. God's mercy through Jesus is why Zechariah can sing verses 74 and 75. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Because of God's mercy, we don't serve him to be saved. We can serve him because we know we're saved. We don't have to worry about measuring up because mercy has come down. God's mercy was shown by sending Jesus, who gave up his perfect life for our sinful life. When we turn from our sin to him in faith, We are saved by his mercy and made into new creations so that we might serve him without fear. Wondering, did I do enough? Did I accomplish enough? It's not based on that. God has come to save us by his mercy. And that is the only way to truly have peace now. And forever. Let us pray. Father, what a wonderful song that Zachariah sings after a season of doubt of the Savior who would come and his Son who would prepare the way. Father, thank you that that salvation that is promised through the Savior, Jesus Christ, is by mercy. It's not by merit. It's not by what we can do. But it's, what, it's based on what Jesus has done. So thank you for that sacrifice on the cross. How he gave his life, his perfect life, for our imperfect life. And thank you that that someone truly just needs to turn from what they're trusting in for eternity to Jesus. When we do that, trusting in His perfection, not our own, we're saved. And we can live to serve Him without fear, knowing that our performance doesn't matter. Sure, we, we want to live up to, to a high and holy standard because... because what you, because of what you've done for us because you love us so much but it's never based on that it's based on your mercy so thank you I pray the one here who doesn't have Jesus in their heart who hasn't turned from their own ways to Jesus would do so in the quietness of their heart may they proclaim Jesus thank you for coming to save me by your mercy Help me to follow you now without fear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.